smells like human spirit. MC Let's go. Turn it up. Introducing world famous beat junkie. Sound and substance of, 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 of the world's hottest entertainment. All right, here we go. Episode 18, part two of our discussion with Matteo Williams, a.k.a. Mouse Link. For new listeners, you can go to smellslikehumanspirit.com for our full archive of episodes. Let's go. Are you talking about, like, sit next to a river? I've done that a few times last week. And I was just thinking, like, the Dalai Lama, one of his um, advices is um, try and spend at least an hour a day on your own. Just, just turn everything off. Just be on your own. And um, the things that you were talking about earlier, it made me think of uh, the phrase, you are not a number, which is the way that sometimes like the media advertising, at least if we're aware of that, you know, we can break that down. Matteo, um, on your how to forget you're a human being, and there's a video for uh, anyone that's listening, search for it on Google, uh, YouTube, it'll be the top link, how to forget you're a human being. Um, You are not a number is a good phrase, but um, Matteo, you say, but you are. And you bring the Fibonacci <laughs> sequence into that brilliantly. Um, could you explain that a, a little bit for us? Yeah, well, I guess where it would start is that we see reoccurring patterns in the universe. I think it's really interesting with like Mars Curiosity mm. uh, rover that landed right now, that if you look at photos of the landscape on Mars, it really doesn't look any different than, you know, a, a desert Uh, here on earth uh, you see the same patterns and i think that what that says to me is that the the forces that make reality possible are are evenly distributed throughout the universe that we see the same patterns over and over again and and what and uh, i've just been fascinated with fibonacci for some time Uh, he was uh he was an italian monk and he was responsible for he was a mathematician and i'm not an expert on fibonacci uh, but by any means i've just i just uh have been interested in in his ideas mm-hmm. and his idea was that we see the same mathematical patterns over and over again throughout nature and he started by he started with a math problem for his students where he was talking about uh the multiplication of rabbits in their breeding habits and uh and he came up with a with this series which is famously you know now referred to as the fibonacci sequence where it is a it is a sequence of increasing uh values but also increasing complexity and <clears throat> to me it kind of uh, is related to the whole idea of fractals and these just uh, mathematics in, in nature and that if you take a look at the Fibonacci sequence and other types of shapes uh, that can be derived from it such as the spiral that's naturally referred to as 
you know, thought of as the Fibonacci sequence or the, or what's often referred to as the golden rectangle, uh, because it's uh, formed from the ratio of any two numbers in the Fibonacci sequence have the same ratio to one another. And if you take that ratio, you form this rectangle that can be seen um, throughout not only things. Yeah, but also just things like ancient architecture uh, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and art and and the and those ratios we see in things like the bones in our bodies and uh, and we see the, the that that sequence of numbers in, in all sorts of spirals. The most famous example is the uh, the Nautilus shell, yeah. uh, but also things like pine cones and uh, ferns. And I just think it's fascinating. I, I, I can look at a tree and think. In fact, I, I use this analogy when I when I talk about this a mundane subject, seemingly, as search engine optimization, because I I, I I try to get people to look at the internet through this same lens. The idea that there are that if you look, I look at the the distribution of information. Um, in much the same structure as I would see it in a tree, where in the trunk of a tree you have this this big conduit. It's it's essentially a large bandwidth. You know, it's it's where all of the information or energy is flowing, and then as that flows out into a tree and it breaks down into more and more segments, and and you could look at that, you could look at the way the tree branches break down through the Fibonacci sequence that you see that the detail becomes finer and finer and finer and finer and in the same way that the Fibonacci numbers become larger and larger um, in the way they're becoming more detailed and what I see is that, that that is the same kind of structure that our information takes the, the way that we are cultivating information and publishing information that it takes that same kind of structure and a lot, the analogy that I use a lot when I'm teaching is I think back to when I was a child and we had a TV in the house. And I lived out in the Arizona desert. And we had, during the majority of my childhood, we had four stations on the TV. And I think by the time I was a little bit older, it went up to maybe five or six. Um, and we had more options. And television stations in those days uh, were very generalized. They tried to cover everything that they could. There was, you know, there was a certain type of programming in the morning. Uh, then you had your your game shows in the afternoon. You had your soap operas in the later afternoon. You had your reruns from the '60s like Gilligan's Island and Bewitched. And then you had your <laughs> evening news, and then you had your prime time. And all of the stations kind of took that same approach. Uh, so they were very generalized. They tried to, and what we have seen now that we have, you know, I often ask people, well, how many stations, how many TV stations do we have today? And I don't know that we can really count them. I, you know, some people say 500 is maybe a good number. Good starting point, maybe. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and now if you look at a television station today, it's very focused. So you'll have an entire network that is 24-7 devoted to one specific subject. So you have the Food Network, or you have the Home and Garden Network, or you have the Speed Channel, or you have the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah. And, and, they're, you know, and so what happens is, and if you look at any kind of information, I think, if you look at magazines, if you look at um, things like blogs, 
that they be, they have become more and more and more specific as we increase the amount of bandwidth that we have. The amount of information specialization be, forms into these little tiny micro niches, which is a, where I see like the tiny little you know buds on the end of the tree. So yeah, I think that if it makes sense to me that if the same kinds of patterns form things like river deltas and trees and pine cones, that it makes sense to me that as a natural part of that system, and I see humans as a part of that system, that I see that what we are creating as, you know, if you look at cities, they're, they're, they're like fractals in the way that they break down into the same pattern can be seen over and over and over again in a city, but they get smaller and smaller as you get down into neighborhoods and blocks. And whatnot. So it's it's like we are creating the same sorts of patterns that we have come from, yeah. and I think that I just find it interesting just to to theorize about, and it's just fun to talk about. But I think that it can also provide meaning as far as understanding the yeah. world and and understanding information and and what we're doing and what our world is becoming. Well, Matteo, I mean, do you think you could say that it is like the underlying mathematical code of the universe? Is that stretching it a bit? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I don't know what that is. I, I think that that's, I, you know, that's like the grand unification theory or something right there. Um, there is this movie that I need to see again that I saw some years ago called Pi. Are you right. guys familiar with that? It was this little black and white indie film that a guy made. I'm not that, and it was about this uh, mathematician who had discovered that there was this kind of ancient, this ancient code that was being protected by this, uh, this group of, I think it was like fundamentalist, like Hasidic Jews. Mm. who had discovered that the actual, like it was actually, I believe from the story, like the name of God was actually this this like underlying like grand unification mathematical formula that kind of explained everything cool. and that if if people only understood this they would be able to predict you know anything you'd be able to predict the stock market yeah and yeah. and so on so it's kind of like his story of kind of like stumbling into this idea and then getting uh you know persecuted and pursued because he's discovered the secret well do you think i mean like Maybe some people would suggest that ancient civilizations maybe had a kind of understanding of this. I mean, you mentioned about the ancient structures, like the you know the pyramids and certain temples, and you know in, in Greek civilization. Do you think they had a, a certain amount of understanding based on their structures and on how the stars worked? Um, they must have understood this Fibonacci sequence. I I don't know. I think that there were definitely uh, astronomers and architects that were involved in in ancient times that were able to figure out things about the world that I don't think with the, even with the access to knowledge that we have today, I don't know that I would be able to figure out things mm. like they were, I mean, there was a, I remember Carl Sagan talking about in an episode of Cosmos, how um, this ancient uh, scientist had, had basically figured out the circumference of the world uh, because of the way that shadow, because of the way two shadows were cast, a certain number of miles apart. 
That's amazing. And, you know, and I just think <laughs> that's fascinating. It's, so... it's all it's all there. I mean, um, like I said, the Fibonacci sequence. I mean, I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but it, it's a it's like say one plus one is two, two plus one is three, three plus two is five, five plus three is eight. It's like that, isn't it? Yeah, the Fibonacci it's... sequence is is every. It starts with one, and you simply just it starts with one and you add one so you get two and then what you do from that point forward is you just keep adding the two last numbers of the sequence to get the next number so then you get one plus two equals three and um and then you get five and you get eight and 13 and and so on from there and it just keeps getting you know higher and higher yeah and this was his this was answer for the way that rabbits multiplied yeah, remember you saying yeah in that in that in the video um how to forget you're a human being, um, yeah to me it just looks like um the underlying mathematical mathematical code of the universe but then that's probably me just trying to simplify something which is impossible to simplify. <laughs> well, I guess the the idea with how to forget you're a human being is that for me I I come from a very I come from a religious and a very moralistic kind of background that that I grew up with mm. and I have you know gone through my own personal evolution in my life where a lot of my you know personal beliefs and philosophy have changed and I you know have come to the, come to a point where I look at all of this with kind of a cold and a, and what I think is an objective eye and if I look at human behavior in in that kind of objective way and kind of in a scientific way i feel personally a lot better i feel because i'm not walking around judging everybody all the time Mm. because if you believe that things are supposed to be a certain way if you believe that humans are supposed to act a certain way everything is quote supposed to be yeah if you if you believe in supposed to be you're gonna be really pissed off a lot (laughs) <laughs> because things aren't going to be that way, and you're going to be mad all the time at everything that doesn't fit into your idea of how things are supposed to be. Yeah. So it just, I personally have a lot more inner peace when I just look at the world as this is just what is. The universe is unfolding as it should. And we are, and it's, it's not that you can't feel loss or that you can't feel tragedy. Um, or, you know, or that you can't feel joy. I think all of those things are a natural part of the human experience. But it, it, to me, if I'm walking down the block and I, and I see a few guys on the corner over there, there used to be a part of me that would, that would look at them through this moral lens and try to judge them as people. Okay. Oh, well, because of the way they're laughing or smiling or their tattoos or whatever, those people must be, um, a threat to me. Um, I should feel intimidated by them, or I have to puff myself up to to play that macho game. Okay. And where I really look at it now is if if you accept the idea that humans are a part of nature, that we've come out of it, and that we are just acting out this programming. That then I am walking down the street and I say this, I see those same guys and I think, well, those are just young bucks. Yeah. Those are just like any other creature out there. They're just they're just the young alpha males. They're out strutting because that's what they're supposed to do. They're trying to attract mates. They're trying to uh, you know they're competing for resources, which are you know yeah. food and and mates. And they're not they're acting the way that their biology is telling them to act. And I then I don't feel 
I don't feel threatened by that. I don't feel like, oh, those people think they're better than me or I have to pretend that I'm better than them. Once again, Matteo, it's like bringing that keyword awareness into it all. You're aware of what they're trying to do and you can just see it. And um, I think acceptance comes with that um, awareness. Yeah, I, I think, agree. I think one thing as well that, that can speed up this, this process of um, becoming aware that, you know, we're just part of nature and we're just part of, of everything else is um, being taught this from an early age. You know, I, I feel like we are inherently, it's, it's kind of subtly and sometimes overtly promoted that we as human beings, we're like the top of the food chain. We're different yeah. from everything else and we're not actually part of nature. And so we, we develop this kind of egoic side to ourselves that, you know, we're the masters of, of our world and the universe. And yeah. we sort of, we sort of lose perspective and, and lose um, that idea that we're, we're simply sort of on this, on this, uh, on this journey as a species. So I think, mm. I think that's something that, you know, we should all try to develop um, in young people in the schools yeah. and, and at home uh, from a very early age, being aware of the ego. Yeah, exactly. So to not not lose sight that we're just we're just part of everything else. Yeah, and I, and I, and that's not to say that humans aren't remarkable or special, or and the things that we've accomplished aren't incredibly amazing. Mm. I mean, I can look at I can look at a mountain and think, wow, it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's intricate, it's all of these things. But I can look at a skyscraper in a city and 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 have the same reaction. I think about I cannot believe that people were able to design that and build that and and how much time and effort and energy went into that and they're completely different things mm-hmm. you know and they and there's they're so they're so different in some ways it's so similar in, in other ways but you know and I, I I don't think that understanding that we come out of nature means that we have to think of ourselves in, in a lowly way, necessarily. I mean, I think that humans are remarkably intelligent and beautiful creatures, mm-hmm. but we also we also act out of our instincts. We can also be incredibly pig-headed. Sometimes you, the most brilliant people, you, you get them on a, sub, on a subject that they, they've made up their mind about, and you, you can't introduce any new information into mm-hmm. that person's mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a shortfalling for when we when we lose that open-mindedness. Everybody's smart about something and everybody's really stupid about something too. I mean, there's just there's really brilliant people that I know that don't know how to drive a car worth beans. Uh, you know, or or just or no good with their personal finances, or or mm. or they just don't have like they just they 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 dress in a frumpy way or whatever it is. You know, it's just like we all have things that we're good at. We all have things that are important to us, and then we all have our shortfallings as well. And to me, if if you if you accept that idea that we kind of all have have, have kind of been created in that way, I mean, to what it speaks to me personally is that's where I get uh, an idea of compassion from. Because if you go back to the the notion of things are supposed to be a certain way and you don't fall into my idea of that certain way, the result that I tend to see overwhelmingly in most people is hatred. Yeah, you end up policing that person's um, expression of uniqueness, don't you? That's right. You, you You don't fit. You don't fit how we say it's supposed to be, or you don't fit what I believe is the correct, you know, way yeah. of doing something. And therefore, I'm going to try to correct you, or I'm going to be mad at you, or I'm going to hate Same. you. And the and the ultimate expression of that is destruction. 
So I really feel like, you know, if we go back to the idea that we were talking about, about life being uncontrolled creativity, I feel like there's these, there's like these two forces and, and, and there's this force of just like spontaneous generation of information and creativity and art um, and life just spreading. And there's this other force of control of, of trying to of create conformity of trying to uh, uh, control things. And I really feel like there, there's basically two forces in our world. There's like the creative force and the controlling force. And, and, uh, and unfortunately I, I really believe that, it, that none of this can't, I don't know that this is unfortunate. Let me erase that word. I feel that none of this can really be controlled that's happening. We can't really control what's happening with our technology. We can't really control what we're all doing as a species. Or our planet is out of control. I and think I, people and, are trying and, to control it. And I think that, yes, especially especially where control comes from. Control comes from the establishment. It comes from, it comes from bureaucracy. It comes from government. Uh, it comes from religion. And, and control is... I don't know that you could say one or the other is winning or losing, but I think that the, that the idea of control is futile. And I think that really the only way that you can really control something is to destroy it. Mm. Then, then, then you've got control over it. So that's why I think that the controlling force is, is about war and it ultimately is about death. Because if you want to control something, really, you're going to have to destroy it in the end. Mm. And I think that, that, that that's kind of where everything is accelerating too in 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 our technology is that we're kind of accelerating towards that ultimate kind of are we going to break out as a species out of all our restraints and just become whatever it is that we're capable and destined to become right or yeah. going to try to control that because it's out of our control and it scares too many people yeah control is based in fear mm-hmm. and since we're we're afraid when we try to control we're ultimately just going to destroy it all Right. Well, so go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Finish, finish, finish your point. I think I, yeah, I think I found a period at the end of that um, sentence. Yeah, I mean, as far as um, just to kind of build on on uh, on what you just said, I kind of see human behavior on this kind of spectrum or continuum. On one side, you know, you can call it the extreme left or right. It doesn't matter. We have you know ego, or you, another way of labeling it would be the desire to control people, the desire. Um, to to kind of force your values and beliefs on other people, and then the other mm-hmm. side would be awareness, just this kind of acceptance that things are going to uh, to change and things are going to evolve naturally. I mean, we've got this far already without you know human intervention. It's going to continue anyway. And um, you know, one thing that concerns me is just there are, of course, there are things that we can marvel about, and there's things that we can appreciate that humans have created. But we've also created a lot of destruction and we've also, you know, done a lot of terrible things. And there's there's people we this is something we discussed on the podcast, the mm-hmm. uh, transhumanist uh, movement who um, essentially want to uh, <laughs> it sounds completely bizarre, but essentially are looking for ways for humans to live forever, uh, you know, combining humans with with yeah. ro- robots and things of that nature. So like editing nature. <laughs> I think this is this is where I'm getting at with my point is I don't think I agree with you, Matteo, we shouldn't, you know, see ourselves as lowly creatures, but I think we just need more of an understanding of the interconnectedness between us and, and the outside world. Well, I mean, I agree with that. And I'm losing my, my, my train of thought here because so many ideas just kind of pop <laughs> in my head all at the same time. Yeah. It, we're capable of creating 
things that are so powerful that either we cannot foresee the consequences or we're in denial, we're unwilling to, or the people that are have an agenda behind them just don't care. Technology can be used to be helpful or to be hurtful. Mm-hmm. And certainly we live in a world where we're all in imminent danger of being destroyed in any moment. And that's always been true. These days I could walk out into the street and get hit by a bus. You know, 20,000 years ago, I might have walked around the corner and, and gotten taken down by a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> Suffering has always been there. Hmm. Death has always been there. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I, I think some of, some of the stuff that we're touching on makes me think of Daniel Quinn, who wrote Ishmael. It, it, that, that's an interesting idea that we, as humans, at one point, I guess, decided to stop cooperating with nature and decided mm-hmm. to start trying to control it, right. where we were just kind of hunter-gatherers and we were kind of just moving in and out of things. Uh, and at some point, we decided, hey, instead of you know having to go hunt my food, I could actually create it right here, and we started you know agriculture. Um, so I, you know, if you follow the stuff that I talk about online at all, I'm very vocal in my opposition to the developments of of companies like Monsanto because I believe that we are, I, I, you know, it's like, to me, it's like Kurt Vonnegut, Ice Nine, it's a cat's cradle. It's like, I just foresee us just wiping ourselves out kind of, oops, you Mm. know, inadvertently like, oh, we created this another, you know, this other super corn, yada, yada. And then it ends up like destroying all of the pollen on the planet or all of the bees, or we end up killing the oceans or we develop a kind of nano technology that ends up, you know, self-replicating and basically eating everything. Uh, You know, and I just, because I think in those terms of what if and speculating about the future, I see that those are possibilities as well but i may have a desire i have a personal desire that the human race you know flourish and and spread into the stars and and that we are fulfilled wonderful you know beings of 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 creativity and and but i could see us just as easily being a, a transitional species and you know if you look at ecology a transitional species is 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 a species that changes the ecology of a given area to the point where it basically creates its own demise mm. you know there's certain types of trees that will come into an area that will grow prolifically that will shade an area change the you know the microclimate of that area and that because of that, they create, uh, you know, another type of tree is able to grow up underneath them and eventually will grow up and, and change again the microclimate in a way that destroys the, yeah. you know, the transitional species that, you know, enable that other species to come about in the first place. And sometimes I think that as humans, that's what we're doing. We're, we're, if you look at the world that we're creating, it is increasingly hostile to biological life. Yeah. Okay. Your know, cancer rates are off the charts. We, we, we live in a chemical soup in our food, in our air, in everything though, that, we, that, we, that we make with in computers are incredibly toxic uh, devices, mm. uh, even our clothing, uh, you know, the, and little things like, oh, you're under, you're telling me that your underarm antiperspirant could 
could give you cancer? Well, yeah, if you put aluminum in it, yeah, it could uh, possibly uh, be bad for your body. Uh, seemingly uh, little things like that that we don't even think about. Um, but if we create a world that is hostile to biological life, then the natural next step is for us to um, enhance ourselves in some way that will enable us to go on living in spite of the fact that our biological bodies are fragile. It's like what George Carlin said, um, the earth's just going to shake us off like a bad case of fleas. Yeah. You know, we went down <laughs> yeah. the wrong path and it's like, you know, get off. This, this experiment went a bit wrong. Sorry. Sorry, trees. <laughs> I'll evolve something yeah. a, bit, a bit better. Um, but I was thinking maybe the yeah. If I could, if I could paraphr- if I could paraphrase Carlin and I'll and I'll try to do it w- and and take down the profanity just a bit. He yeah. said, you, you know, he's always like, save the planet, save the planet. He's like, you know what? The planet's fine. It's yeah. the human race that's screwed. Absolutely, man. He's a brilliant um, like philosopher as well as a comedian. Um, I was thinking, right, the guys behind Monsanto, um, they, I think they might know they're doing this with the GMOs and stuff. It's, it could be part of the, the population breakdown. And um, with the technological implications, if they use in technology, they could kind of like live forever, as Guy was mentioning earlier. I don't think they see that as a problem. It's not something that I think they've got it completely under control. Which is scary and it's evil. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that they have it under control or not. I um, think they know what they're doing. You know, I know. I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with that. I think that I think that they have an awareness of what they're doing and and the, and the implications of of what they're doing. And I, it's 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 weird, wild stuff to think about. But when you start thinking about the ways that genetic engineering allows you to create foods that match up with insecticides and different things like that and the fact that you know molecular biologists are looking at at dna and and specific treatments for specific people where there's talk of them being able to essentially patent your your genetic code once once they've decoded it so that when you go in to get a treatment, they're going to have a treatment that can be specifically sequenced to your own genetic structure, but then you're going to have to pay for it. Of course. Because if you, because if you don't, I mean, they own the patent on what they on what they created. Right. So I just start thinking about things like, will that mean that that we're only able to eat certain kinds of food. I mean, what's going to happen to the world when you can't eat organic food because your body won't allow it because you have to eat the Monsanto food. It's mad, isn't just it? Just stuff like that. You know, it's just, I'm just uh, speculating. It's, it's mad. Well, talking about control, finally, I'll just, um, this is the last like question, um, just quickly now. Um, some conspiracy theorists, um, they've talked about um, certain layouts of street plans in, in certain cities um for instance washington dc with a with pentagrams in the street and the star of david maybe in a you know a pyramid and they say they might have been mapped out on purpose um going back to the fibonacci sequence and um and the universe and um and energy um have you come across this before about how they might be manipulating the earth's energy energy grid maybe in the in the layout of buildings and, and street plans I don't really. I haven't really delved into that specifically. That sounds like um, uh, what was that Nicholas Cage, the <laughs> Nicholas Cage movie where yeah. uh, where he was you know trying to find the secret code on the back of the Declaration of Independence. Um, I don't really know. I mean, I think I find stuff like that to be fascinating. You know, the the, the whole Masonic 
uh, idea and and whatnot. And I don't know I don't know too much about it, but um, that's definitely that's stuff that that I'm interested in as far as you know these ancient patterns go. Um, yeah. I I like to I like to learn, and I don't uh, I don't poo poo ideas because I'm unfamiliar with them or because they sound wacky. Um, sometimes really wacky ideas turn out to be true. Sometimes um, they're just highly entertaining. Uh, and I don't, uh, you know, I know I don't specifically know anything about that, um, but that sounds like an interesting uh, subject worth, um, worth a little bit more investigation. It, it is, man. Like, um, yeah, there's some just uh, theorists that they think um, it's, it's kind of hacking into this underlying mathematical code and um, putting certain certain things in certain places, and um, they speculate maybe that's what the ancients did. But um, then again, that's a different time and a different place. That might be something for another day. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, just to wrap us up here, Matteo. First of all, you know, thank you so much for your time today. I know me and James have really enjoyed this um, this talk with you. I'd just like to give you the the final word, really, just to kind of surmise everything that we've sp uh, spoken about today, and also perhaps direct the listeners to where they can find out more about you on the web. Yeah, um, to begin with the second part, I would love to hear from anyone in your audience. I feel like the flagship of my internet media is Twitter at this point. So I am Mouselink, uh, which is M-O-U-S-E-L-I-N-K. Pretty much exactly spelled like it sounds. Mm -hmm. And if you just Google Mouselink, look me up, uh, you will find me all over the place. I have a blog on Tumblr, um, which is uh, mouselink.tumblr.com. And then um, if you're into the whole Facebook thing, I do have a presence there, uh, facebook.com slash mouselink.biz, B-I-Z. Um, so, yeah, definitely um, would love to uh, and do this again, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love to. I, I love talk. I love talking about this kind of stuff, um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like uh, to me, I've really embraced the idea of um, in uh, what's the word that I'm looking for? That things are temporary. Uh, I and I think that there's a lot of fear going around in the world. I think there has been for a while. That's nothing new, but. Um, it's amplified by our technology. It's amplified by our instantaneous media. Um, and, and a lot of that amplification is hype, and there's an agenda behind it. And I think that, that there, are, there are certain small events that are sometimes blown gigantically out of proportion to our lives. Um, and we start to feel really fearful about the world around us. And we see that through the way that information spreads through traditional mainstream media, but also through social media. And I think that you have to, you know, look at if there was a murder in your city today, and which is a tragic event, should you be fearful when you go out to your car that night or when you're walking to the train the next morning? Um, can you put that in, in the perspective that's a, you know, a metropolitan area of 2 million people? So if somebody was shot last night, I really have to look at that in the context out of 1 in 2 million. Right. And, and really what's going around me is relatively quiet and innocuous and peaceful, and, and I don't really need to be looking at the person next to me suspiciously because of that. So I think we do have to be aware of how media affects – 
our minds. And we, sure, there's always a reason to be afraid. Like I said, it, it could have been, you know, a, a saber-toothed tiger or the next yeah. village over the hill coming it's to natural. attack us. It's normal. It's natural. It's, it's yeah. part of our life, the fact that things change. Some things are destroyed. Other things are created. And I really mm-hmm. feel like, like I said, just, you know, walking up here on East Hill in, in Ithaca, New York today, it's a gorgeous day. And I loved every minute of it. And I have that to be thankful for. And yeah. I think that we should be looking at that, looking at that stuff to be thankful for, you know, around us, no matter what we're doing, if we're plugged in or yeah, uh, or not. Absolutely, man. We've got to love, live and laugh. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, <laughs> I think, uh, Matei, you just have a very positive and peaceful message. Um, and you're clearly a very interesting man. You know, the, the stuff that we've talked about today, um, we will definitely take you up on your offer to um, to have you back on. But for the time being, you know, on behalf of both of us, just thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Have a great day, you guys.